Hello, and welcome back to The Everyday Therapist. I am Dr. Deb, and I have a background in both clinical work with mental health patients and research in learning and development. So in the past, we've been talking about trauma, and we're going to continue talking about it for a bit. Today, we're going to cover some of the other personality disorders that are associated with trauma. Last time I talked about how borderline personality disorder is associated with it. And today I'm going to talk a little bit about narcissistic personality disorder and a couple of others. Uh, so let's get right into it. Now, if you remember I, last week or last time I, we met, I talked about how personality disorder is really associated with trauma that occurs early in a child's life, before the age of five or so. And if you think even farther back, how I talked about the uh, fight and flight, collapse and freeze responses to scary situations or traumatic situations, I mentioned that fight usually does not occur so much at, until after about the age of five because it requires a certain amount of the hormone of testosterone starting to flow through the body. Now, that brings us to narcissistic personality disorder. In my clinical observations, NPD tends to occur after the age about five due to uh, trauma or a bit, feelings of abandonment or lack of appreciation or some kind of emotional trauma that occurs between the ages of about five or six until teenage years, especially in men. In fact, if you look at the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, you'll find that NPD teams seems to have a higher prevalence in men than in women. And that's because of the testosterone. And so in my clinical experience, uh, people with NPD tend not to come into therapy unless they have some other situation going on, such as a drug addiction, or uh, a spouse has been really complaining about how this person has been acting. But usually I've dealt with the spouses or people who have had very poor interactions with somebody with narcissistic personality disorder. And that can be a spouse who has MPD or a parent uh, or somebody in the workplace. Now, Many of the people who come in to see me who have had those kinds of interactions are totally confused as to what is going on. And through discussion with them, if they have a sense of how that person's childhood has been, we can then pinpoint where the problem probably occurred. For example, um, if a client who does have NPD come, comes in and then I start talking with that person. And it turns out that that person's mother was sent away for a year for some problem, whether it's uh, for a job or a medical problem or whatever. And it happens when that person is about say nine or 10, then what will happen is that young person will feel abandoned and wonder why in the world am I doing all these things to try to please my parent and my parents not here to give me the love and care and recognition that I so desire. 
So I'm just going to be an angry person and give myself all that recognition. Uh, and I know I deserve all that recognition and everybody's problems that seem to be about me aren't about me. They're about them because I deserve what I haven't gotten. So that's what happens with uh, somebody who receives that kind of trauma in that time frame. Now, if you remember, we're going to, well, let me just mention that if you really want to know a lot about narcissistic personality disorder, there are plenty of YouTube channels and experts out there who can really fill you in on it. Uh, I recommend you go watch HG Tudor's channel because he is a very self-aware narcissist and he has a wide range of experiences and uh, published materials and his own uh, YouTube channel. Now, let's talk, talk about a couple of other personality disorders that appear in the Diagnostic and Statistical manual, manual. The first one is the Avoidant Personality Disorder. Now, that is usually somebody who starts out life as a maybe it's a shy child, but uh, as that child receives various kinds of rejections and uh, just feels very sensitive for, uh, from people's input to that child, that person may start drawing away, farther and farther away from interacting with other, other people because that person basically doesn't trust anybody. Now, if you think back to the couple of uh, disorders having to do with children and trauma that I mentioned uh, previously, reactive, for example, reactive attachment disorder. Reactive attachment disorder is a trauma response seen in children. Avoidant personality disorder pretty much is the adult version of it. So if you take a child who has reactive attachment disorder and that child continues to feel uh, the need to separate him or herself from others, that will result in uh, that type of personality disorder. Now, when I talked about the other type of response frequently seen in children uh, who are young and who had, say, separation traumas and things like that, uh, the one where the, the child will start grabbing onto anybody around, um, you know, the disinhibited social uh, engagement disorder, that can be seen in an, another kind of adult personality disorder called dependent personality disorder. And that is somebody who cannot make his or her own decisions about situations, is afraid to lose relationships even more so than a borderline personality disordered person. Uh, it's, it's a very attached type of situation, just the same as the child's version. So you can see the sort of transition from children's trauma responses to adult trauma responses in both, uh, as I said, the, the reactive attachment disorder and the um, avoidant personality disorder. Now, a couple of things I want to mention also about trauma that I neglected to mention before. First of all, when somebody goes through a traumatic, traumatic situation, whether it's a child 
or an infant or an adult, it's not just the thought processes that are affected. It's the whole body. So for example, if you're driving down the uh, road and you hear a police siren, what does your body do? I know what my body does. I just sort of tense up thinking, oh my, what did I do wrong? Is it coming? Is he coming after me? Well, who knows why I have that response, but most people do. And that physical response of tensing up the body, if you do that enough times, you know, enough, you know, enough situations, the trauma that happens, that, that, that fear response that causes the, body, the muscles to contract, that kind of ends up causing the muscles to always be slightly contracted. In fact, what therapists say is the body remembers everything. In fact, there's a book about that by a doctor um, named Bessel van der Kolk. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. And we see this all the time. And in fact, there are certain therapies for, that deal with trauma that require doing certain kinds of body work. Uh, what I've noticed is if, say, I go for a massage, when certain parts of my body are rubbed or you know, pressure is put on on those muscles, some emotional uh, thoughts come up. And they're probably, those thoughts are probably tied to whenever I started tensing up those, those muscles during my life. Now, um, another thing I want to, to mention is that um, in addition to the body keeping score, the brain tries to protect us from the really worst traumas that we experience. So most people can remember certain amounts of trauma in their lives, especially childhood trauma. They'll remember certain things, but the ones that are really, really horrible, they may not have access to, or they might just have little bits, little uh, photo shots of, of things, of parts of situations. For example, I once had a client that had a sense that something happened to her, but all she could do was say, I, I kind of picture being in the basement with a rope. Uh, and that's all she remembered. She could remember other things such as an older sibling chasing her with a knife or, or something like that. Or even in my own life, I can remember, uh, I was told about one really traumatic situation. I have no memory of it. I have memory of trauma that happened before, namely almost drowning. And this was when I was three. And then I have memory of a trauma that happened afterwards, me, uh, having my tonsils out. I have memory of that. But the part in between, I don't remember at all. I've had stories told to me about what happened, but I don't know. My brain is trying to protect me from those memories. And as a therapist, sometimes what we see is that a person will come in and have a sense that something has happened because the protective force of the mind begins to crumble a bit. It's like um, a wall with a little hole starting to poke through. And what happens sometimes is that wall begins to crumble and the, the memories start coming back. But that's a discussion for another time. Now, another major area of uh, response to trauma is in terms of dissociation, but that's a really big topic in itself. And 
I think I'm going to save that for the next time. And that's primarily because of a lot of the experiences I have had working with trauma patients includes working with people who say have dissociative identity disorder and what, how that comes to be. So I try to end these videos with uh, something to help you unwind. Now, what I'm going to do is, this will be a link in the show notes, but there is a piece of music that is considered to be the most relaxing piece out there. And it was designed by a clinical therapist plus some musicians. And it's an eight minute piece, it's called Weightless. Um, and you need to wear headphones to really appreciate it because what it does is it takes your uh, brain from one level of brainwave, the I'm always busy thinking kind of thing, and bring it down to light, the kind of uh, way one's brain is during light meditation or just uh, very being very relaxed. And it takes about three minutes or so to make that transition. And in the future, I will give a long discussion about how brain waves and the different levels and, and how they affect you. But in this case, you start out off at one level, it takes about three minutes to get down to the sort of meditative calm level, which is called alpha, alpha state. And, you, and the piece of music stays there for about five minutes. So it gives you five minutes of being calm. And you do need to wear headphones because it uses a process called binaural beats. And again, I will give a discussion about that in the future. But basically what it requires is one oh, level of uh, wavelength in one ear and another one in a different ear in the other. And through sort of a subtraction process, you come to the level that uh, gets the brain to resonate to it. So I will put that in the show link, uh, show notes. And so thank you all for coming and watching my, my videos. And I, I'm going to be continuing on this topic for a little bit more. Um, if you're finding this to be useful information, give it a thumbs up, subscribe, uh, put on notifications. And if you have friends that you think, or family members you think who could benefit from all of this information, please let them know. Please share it. Uh, just you know, realize that I'm here to help you understand yourselves. I'm not in this for clicks or anything like that. I'm here to help educate you. So thank you. And until the next time, I'll see you. Bye.